another day. All right, let's ride. Please celebrate. Please learn some things about black history that you didn't know and then let somebody else know who didn't know. Like I always like to say, spread the wealth, spread the knowledge, spread the opportunity, spread the understanding, wisdom, and all that. Secondly, let me issue an apology, even though I don't think homies going to listen. But a while back, I talked about a situation happened in my hometown of Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, there was some police involved or whatever, and... I made a statement about how I felt about the situation. And there was somebody who was heavily involved in the situation who didn't like what I said. So homeboy reached out to one of my other friends. They chopped it up. And he sent the message through me, or through him, for me to call him. So shit, I did. Given that I said something about him, I figure it's only right that I give him an opportunity to, to give me his point of view, and then I would give him his. So uh, we got on the phone. We chopped it up for a little bit. And he let me know the things about what I said that he didn't appreciate. And I basically let him know why I said it and that I had to stand by it because shit, I said it. I can't take it back. Like it's out there. I talked about it in a public forum. I put it on my podcast because that's what I do. I talked about this shit. And we had a good, it was a very productive conversation. And I learned a lot about his situation. I'm not going to say that. I learned some about his situation and uh, I found out through talking to him that I judged him based on information I had 10 years ago. And I was holding him to something that, I guess a standard I set for him after not being in his life for like 10 years. And I held him to that. Like not knowing nothing that's going on with him, what he's doing, no background, nothing, plus anything he had going on professionally personally I held him to that standard and I shouldn't have done that like I'm not around him for his everyday shit so I really don't know what he's going through to be honest so I had to I had to sit there and think about that and um through us talking him giving me his uh reasons for not liking what I said which were all valid and me giving him my reasons for what I said that I was thinking were valid at the time through me giving him my point of view I realized that I was wrong like, I talked myself into proving a big point that he had when I reached back to something that was, it was deeper than what he was going through, but it still led me to understand his point better. So I, I had to apologize. And um, as a man, I'm never going to pass up opportunity to learn something, especially when it's interacting with somebody like me in the social setting or just me speaking on him or whatever. I'm never going to knock down a chance to learn and understand something in a different way. And if I got to apologize to you, but I'm not going to hesitate. If I feel like it's warranted, I'm going to apologize because I'm a man. You want to be a man, you got to be a man all the time. So, I, you know, I apologize to bro. We went on to have a very productive conversation. But I say that to say this. It's like, don't rush to judge 
when you don't have, have all the info. And don't be so quick to turn it off when somebody comes at you and lets you know that. In my brain at the time, I was right. I had an, I would say I had an emotional response to some shit. And because I felt so bad about what happened, I spoke on it without considering my, uh, what, what I was doing, how it would affect him and how it could possibly affect him. So I had to sit back and think about that. But I still had to stand by the fact that at the time with the information I had, I thought I was in the right. But now that I know what I know, I just should have sat back and not said nothing at all, being 100% honest. But I can eat that. I can take that because it's only going to make me a better person. And if I said it on here when I did it the wrong way, I got to come back to do it the right way. And that's why I'm telling this to anybody listening. It's just if you're going to be 100, you also got to be 360. You got to be all the way around. You got to be all the way around. So I figured I'll let y'all know that. Um, also want to apologize to the people that listen to this every Monday for not having one out last Monday. And I'm going to keep it a buck. Like, I host my podcast through this service called Libsyn. And uh, with the plan I have, I can only store so much memory on there. So instead of me giving out a little 10-minute bullshit podcast to let y'all know, hey, my bad, I fucked up on the memory or whatever, I just said, you know what, I'm going to let it lapse a week, and then I'm going to go back to it and get back on. So my bad if you're listening. Uh, I appreciate you coming back and giving your boy another shot. Now. Let me get into this this podcast for real, for real. Like I said previously, man, um, happy Black History Month. Dig in, learn something about somebody that you didn't know anything about. Dr. King is great. Rosa Parks is great. Learn something about somebody else. Learn something about Frederick Douglass. Learn something about Marcus Garvey. But what I want to do is talk to you guys every week in this month. I'm going to talk to you about somebody I appreciate from black history. In this episode, I'm going to give you two. But the first person I really want to talk about is uh, Carter G. Woodson. And I read a book of his. He's written a lot of books, and he's basically a scholar. And they call him, the. uh, he's referred to a lot of times as a father of black history. Because he created Black History Week back in the day, and it's grown to what we now have as Black History Month. And his journey is one I can respect. He's a historian and an educator. There's a bunch of schools named after him. But this book he wrote called The Miseducation of the Negro, something I read, and it basically talked about how back in the day, black people were taught only to be workers and not to be supervisors, not to be small business owners, not to go into any uh, profession that would give them any type of, uh, I would say, real status. Not to say that knowing the trades, not the status, but any like high status, like don't be a lawyer, don't be a doctor, don't do things like that. We were discouraged from doing that and being businessmen and starting our own business. We were taught just to work. Now, this day and age, we need more people learning trades because a lot of us are just out here hustling, trying to go to school. Knowing school isn't really what we want to do, but we do it because we think we have to do it. We could have learned a trade and saved some money and not ended up in debt. Times have changed, but have they really? But Carter G. Woodson is somebody I would uh, highly suggest you looking into when it comes to black history. I think it's a, it's a great starting point, given that he's being considered being the father of black history. So check him out, man. Um, a lot of a lot of dope stuff in uh in his um in his lifetime. I guess a lot of things that he did that were great. So I would 
I would really look into Carter G. Woodson. Now, I'm going to get into the bullshit part of the podcast just to, just to kind of puff it up. So, a Texas woman was arrested for masturbating in the restaurant. <laughs> and then she continued to masturbate in the squad car. And uh, her name is W. Nichols, and I guess she was in a, in a feeling. She was in the mood. She was in the, in the restaurant with a vibrator going ham, and then they took out in the squad car, and she continued. Check on your people, man. Check, check on your people. If you got somebody crazy, man, make sure they get help. I know I say this all the time. I talk about mental health low-key, but you really got to don't throw your people away if they got issues, man. Help them out. You don't want this to be your auntie on TV going fucking ham with the vibrator in the, in the restaurant. That's wild. That's bad for business. We don't want the five family. So check on your people, man. Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, they're looking for a few guys in another operation. And uh, it's all connected to the rapper who was shot last year. There's a dude named Young and Ace, and he spells it Y-U-N-G-E-E-N, Ace. And uh, local rapper, he's had an interview with DJ Vlad on YouTube, if you ever check for DJ Vlad. But he had an interview talking about it. A little bit of a situation, obviously, is before he was shot. And um, it's sad, man. What's going on back home is sad. I really, really wish somebody would step in on the street level. And I know they're probably trying. I say this. I wish them the most success. And I can't talk a lot of shit because I ain't there right now to do anything. But I can still want better for my hometown and my community. And whenever I get a chance to get back there and be there long term, I'm going to do whatever I can to get involved, even if it's on a small level. But something has to be done. The shit that's going on, the the culture there can be bad. It, it, I would consider it bad because life don't mean shit. Motherfuckers will jump in their car and go do something to somebody quick in that city because that's just the way it, it's just the way it is. It's acceptable. When I, when I was a kid, going through there, people was getting stomped out, beat up at the mall. People were shooting at each other and shit. Wild stuff. And it's only gotten worse because they was watching us. They was watching us jump people and not give a fuck. So now they're doing the same thing. So it's on us as the people from the community to do what we can to make it better and let these guys know, like, hey, man, guys and girls, it's not, this ain't it. The shit you doing... That you, that you feel like you have to do, you don't. There's other ways to move around in life. There's things outside of Jacksonville, Florida. And that's what I, I really think a lot of the issue is. Because I think there's a lot of people that don't leave that city. They stay there and they're in a bubble. And I'm only telling you because I was in it. Like when I was going to school and when I was young and coming up, seeing somebody black wearing some shit like Air Apostle, American Eagle shit, you look at them like you was, they was crazy. Because that was considered white people shit. And then when I left, I saw people wearing it that was black. It blew my mind. And that's like, it's small, but it's a real example of how things were where I'm from. It's just like, you don't do certain things, but these extreme cases of violence and shit are okay. Somebody can tell you about a shooting, and instead of being like, oh man, that's terrible, you look at the situation and be like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Not considering the loss of life. And I understand that, you know, the tit for tat, one for two, you get me, I'm going to get three, four yours. 
I understand that. I get that. Because where I come from, that's the nature of the beast. You can't let somebody get one up on you. But you can. And you can't. It's, it's a weird. You, you don't have to, th to feel like that. Some things need to be handled by the police. And I'm being 100% honest. It's like, I would rather one of the homies who got into an, a situation, right, they leave unharmed. It's better for them to deal with the police than to go out there and do something wild on their own if you a civilian. I still, I kind of hold on to the, you know, if you out here wilding or whatever and you you out here causing friction and you provoking shit and you, you kind of get what you get, I still I still abide by that. I still believe in that. It's, it's fucked up, but that's the way I think. But if you're just a regular person, if you like, if you're a motherfucker like me, you go to work, you go home, you take care of your family, you don't fuck with nobody, you hang with your people, you go out your way to be a decent person, you don't need to be the one out there trying to be captain save everybody and get out there with your with your gun and go out there and shoot the block up. That ain't what you need to be doing. But if you live in a certain lifestyle, I'll say an outlaw lifestyle, I understand. I understand that if you're doing something illegal when somebody takes something from you, you can't really go to the police. You know, and then at that point, my level of sympathy for you is going to be low. But at the same time, I understand that, that way of thinking. I just would really, really like my people to get away from that way of thinking. That don't mean I don't understand. I just want us to get away from that shit. I've seen my big homies do it. And that's what I think the problem is. I know I say it a lot, but the people I see who don't have big homies are the ones I see getting into shit that they shouldn't or things that can be prevented. It ain't even, it ain't even got to be so much that the big homie set you down and talk to you like, hey, man, don't do this, don't do that. It's like the third. You can watch them and see how they grow because the guys I know that was in the street doing wild shit, they don't do that no more. They got jobs. They all got jobs. They got kids and jobs. That's the one thing they have in common. They got kids and jobs or they're trying to start their own businesses and, and move on through life. That should show you right there that the people that you looked up to when you was young that was kind of in the streets doing whatever, they grew. And we got to grow as a people, but I feel like we're leaving our youngest behind. We're leaving them behind. We're letting them fall victim to this bullshit that's being made normal by people who make money off the shit we do. People that hijack our culture and popularize all the negative shit. That's who's influencing them now. And that's who's reaping the benefits. So we got to find a way as a community, nation, worldwide, however you want to put it, on how to change shit. And that, that's just something that's real to me. I had to say it. Um, we can't be like the people who should be big homies like Bow Wow getting arrested for, for silly shit. Now, I don't know 100% what happened with Bow Wow, but if he got arrested in Atlanta for an altercation that um he had with a female. Now, to be fair, the pictures I've seen, he's like homeboy had scratches on his face. I don't think he was the aggressor. What the police are saying is that both sides are going to be charged with battery. That's all I got. But Bow Wow got to put himself in better situations. And while I don't think that he would be dumb enough to be out there beating up on a woman, 
I have been wrong before about celebrities doing wild shit. And two, even though I know he has to live, he has to get out there and experience life. It's like, bro, you've been a celebrity probably 20 plus years, man. You got to have your head on better than that. You got to have your head on better than that. Especially dealing with these women. Especially dealing with them. You got to have a, a, a better circle around you to make sure you don't do shit like that. I know people say it all the time, but it's true. Or who are you with? Because you're probably the check. You're probably the one with the money that's going to control a lot of the movement. So they should be they should be protecting their interest, if anything. And if they real and they true blue homies, they're not going to let you do stupid shit. Look at another situation. Like, if you look back at, like, Kareem Hunt, his homies was trying to stop him. And now he out the NFL. Now, they saying he'll be back next year, which I, I'm pretty sure he will. I think a lot of what happened was blown out of proportion, but homie was wrong. He had a good circle, and he ignored it. Now he out here fucked up. Let's look at Takashi. This is, this is another example of somebody who had a terrible, a terrible, terrible circle. Like, he was a check, and they used him, and now it's rumored that they're trying to kill homeboy. Because now they all locked up. And the wild shit is, they fucking, they fuck around in the feds right now. He get with these guys from the, from the hood, real guys from the block, make it big, being disrespectful as fuck, and all that shit come back around. Now you got people trying to get at you. You got people wanting to do shit on your behalf, which I always say is dangerous. Because if a motherfucker do something on your behalf, man, it's going to come back to you. Whether you know it or not they going to hit you with that shit because they're going to be able to put it on you that that person did it for you. That's how shit works. Perception is everything. And when you you in a situation like that and you end up in the feds and you really ain't cut from that shit, like this young man apparently was not dying in a situation where he just, he played guilty, he played to what, nine charges? Nine, hey, he played the nine charges? So it looks like he may be cutting a deal with the feds and what other choice does he have? Because the feds gonna go after your family, they gonna fuck with your money. And he ain't but so old, he ain't in the position where he could just hang it up and be like, you know what, I got a kid, but you know what, I'm at an age where I'm old enough, I live my life, whatever, I'm gonna take these numbers and I'm gonna sit down. That man's still young. And then these dudes was robbing you for millions of dollars, I don't blame him at all. Looking at it now, He's supposed to be getting a hundred thousand for a show, only getting sixty. Come to find out, he's supposed to goddamn near a mil. He lost out on three mil, and I'm in jail with you, and you want me to keep it a bean and not say nothing to the folks when they about to put me here for thirty something years in the slammer? Nah, because <laughs> sorry, you call me what you want. That boy's in there about to get them tattoos removed. He's about to be in Wyoming, Alaska, somewhere, living a whole different life. But that's, that's the part of it, man. When you get to a certain spot, even in your daily life, you need to have a good circle. Your daily life, you need to have a good circle around you. And this young man didn't have that. Now he, he about to go sit down for a long time. And I, I almost feel bad for him, but then again, I don't because of the shit he was doing. Like, I want to. But every time he, he looked in the camera and told somebody, suck his dick, Somebody gonna touch my gangster. Every time he was disrespectful to somebody, I remember that. That shit burned in my brain. 
So now he locked up with some real gangsters in the gangsta ass situation. And now he got to react. And we're going to see if he really uh, pulled up a deal with these feds, which I, I would understand. But he definitely put himself in that situation. You see people he was trying to provoke. They got smart. Chief Keith got smart. He got tired of fucking with the law. Tired of being involved in shit. Somebody shot at that man. He let that shit go. He didn't even pay no mind that he was in the wind. He's like, well, okay, whatever. Didn't even mention it. He know better. Some people learn, some people don't. And these are all just fucking kids, millionaire kids that we call stupid every day. But look, somebody like somebody like Kodan Black, go to jail, come back, still rich. Go to jail, go broke, come back, still rich. All these boys ain't stupid, man. This Kodan Black, hopefully he's getting a better circle around him and moving a little bit more, a little bit more different. And things for him will improve. Now, speaking of moving and different, um, that boy, 21 Savage. I, <laughs> this shit popped up on my feed while I'm watching the Super Bowl. And God damn it, if Tom Brady didn't win number motherfucking six. I sat there and watched that game. A lot of people said it was boring. I disagree. Defense is part of the game. If you don't like it, don't watch the fucking game. Don't watch it. But it was a great game defensively, but the Patriots pulled it out. I do I do feel like, man, it's always something with them. It's always something with them. And, man, if it wasn't this little punk-ass holding call when the Rams were rolling, the Rams getting it cracking, they rolling, going down the field, and they call this little bullshit-ass holding penalty on the center, number 65. I don't, I don't know his name, but that play call – was some bullshit. Just like how everybody was mad about the Rams, maybe it's karma. But I don't really hold the Rams to that for that uh, pass interference because if you look at it, the first quarter of that game they played against New Orleans, the wide receiver dropped a touchdown in the end zone. Straight up. Now, he got hit much like Cooks got hit and couldn't get the ball, but he got he had the ball in his hands. I forgot. I don't know if he's a tight end or receiver from New Orleans. But he got, he had the ball, he dropped it. Hooks at least got rocked and couldn't, there was no way he was holding on to that ball. But there was that holding penalty, that bullshit holding penalty they called against uh, the, the center. And then they had the penalty when they played in the AFC Championship game where they, they caught the hands to the face of roughing the pass on the guy. When he, when I say he barely touched Tom Brady, they got the penalty on him, but Patrick Mahomes got slapped all in the face, face mask pulled. And they didn't call shit. And I'm sitting here watching them win this game again. But you know they execute, man, to be 100%. They execute. You know, first quarter with uh with TB12 and them, this, hey, first quarter, we're going to run the ball. We're going to hit you with some Amendola. We're going to gronk you up one time. We're going to try Chris Hogan. But it's going to be a lot of Julian Edelman. It's Edelman, run game. Edelman, run game. That's the first half, just about. They may hit you with some James White. In the third quarter, that's when they cut on Gronk. They cut on, excuse me, that's when they cut on James White. So now you got the running game that's going, you got Julian Edelman going, you got James White coming out the backfield going, and you got the fullback running. That's third, that's like the third quarter. Halfway through the third quarter, you're going to start seeing more on Gronk. And if they can grit 
get Chris Hogan out there, you're going to see more Hogan. But you're going to see a lot of them, okay, Burkhead up the middle. We're going to put James White out there, let him come out the backfield. This game, it didn't work. But what that does in my brain is that creates the threat. And that's what the Patriots do the whole game. Create the threat of you getting beat by this. And once they see that can get you with that, okay, we can we can run up the middle. Okay, now let's let's get Edelman out there. Let's get James White out there. Let's sprinkle in some Gronk. And then they go Gronk heavy. And when they can't go Gronk heavy, they hit you with some more Edelman. And a couple more runs. And then they go deep to Gronk because they don't have that deep threat on the outside no more. And I'd be goddamn it if they didn't do it this game. Same shit. And then that last interception, that was on golf. He was getting blitzed, of course. I give you, I give y'all that. But he threw that ball up. And I'm like, come on, fam. You can't do that in the Super Bowl. And I understand, hey, I've never been there. Never played on that level. I get that. But I'm expecting somebody at hit with his skill set at that level in that game against that team to know better than to just throw the fucking ball up. You got to get that ball out of bounds. Take the penalty over the pick. But anyway. Oh, shout out to Julian Edelman for winning MVP. He definitely earned that shit. They got the MVP right this year because he caught damn near everything that was thrown his way and then added some yak after that. That's yards after the catch for y'all that don't know. Running after you catch the ball. And um, he did a great job today. Even though he didn't score, he was he was the meat and potatoes. Him and Sonny Michelle, that offense today. So one time for Julian Edelman. Even though I really don't like seeing the Patriots win, I can't be mad. They went out there and won that shit. But what I was talking about, that boy 21 Savage, man. The ICE, ICE has arrested this man. Talking about he's an illegal immigrant. According to ICE, 21 Savage is actually from the UK. Which to me is completely mind-blowing. Um, because I... I've never heard no accent, like, other than the one sound like he's from Georgia, but people do it, man. People switch up their accents and shit all the time. I should know. I, I do it all the time to fuck with people. But it, it blew my mind. I'm like, of all countries, somewhere in the U.K., if you'd have told me he he's Panamanian, if you'd have told me from somewhere in South America, there's dark-skinned brothers in, in Panama, a lot of dark-skinned dudes in Panama, if you uh, South America, somewhere Central America, if you'd have told me he was South American, or like Brazilian, I think I already said that. If you'd have told me he was somewhere from the Caribbean, West Indian, some small island somewhere, no, the UK, I would have never thought in a million years that's where he'd have been from. Not nowhere in Africa, but the UK. That shit is, that shit is wild. And uh, I don't think it's going to, I mean, it may affect him a little bit, but. If he can shake it, it shouldn't hit him too bad because he still got money. He still just put an album out. Now, if they fuck around and freeze his funds and everything, then he going to be in some trouble. But I really, I'm, I'm really, I'm shocked, to be honest. I'm 100% shocked. And uh, I'm thinking this dude born and raised in Atlanta. But they were saying he had been there since like 2006 or something. And then once he had been here like a year later, and just kind of hung out. He was fucked up. But it just, it show you like, they wait till you get your bread. They wait till you get bread. And then they come get you. And that's when they come get you. Like, they didn't go for the 6-9 right, right off the gate. They let him, they sat there. 
and they built this. They built the case. They built the case, and they let him do all that wild shit and say all that, all that goofy shit. And then when they finally was ready, they came and got his ass. And the wild thing about the Twenty One Savages, the Twenty One Savage situation is, I don't know how long they were watching, bro. Right. But from when he came out with like, I think the song is No Heart. I'm not too big on Twenty One Savage right now, but. Uh, when he came out with the song, the video with guns and shit and all in the video, back then it's like they didn't say nothing about it. But as soon as he come out with being him being greater than he was, when he change up, that's when they come to get him. When he starts to grow, that's when they come get him. Takashi put on them glasses, went back to the breakfast club, was super respectful, said he, the only thing he feared was the feds. A day later. Gone. It's wild, man. This what's going on with these kids. It's, it's a damn shame. But it be like that sometimes when you let the hype beast get to you. And um, something else I want to talk to you guys about real quick. Killer Mike. Still alive. Great rapper doing great things. But in 20 years, you're going to be talking about Killer Mike as a big figure in black history for what he's doing. If you look at what he's able to do and how he's able to reach people, he's able to speak, he's able to do what they call coach, but he's able to speak to people from his community in a way where they understand where he's coming from and make them understand what he's trying to get them to do. But he's also able to debate with anybody because he's an intelligent man. People inside the community and out He's able to do that because he can code switch. But the thing with Killer Mike is he's using his ability to empower the black community and he's unapologetic about it. All while having a white person as a partner, as a rap partner. He can, he's so thorough with it and so trill, he can go out here and tell us what we fucked up at and what we got to improve. And we're going we gonna to roll. We're going to believe it. Because it's true. So in the next 20 years, we'll probably stop calling him Killer Mike. But I think he will be remembered as a big part of black history for what he's doing, the amount of awareness he's creating. And he has a great show on Netflix called Trigger Warning where he goes and he talks about a lot of issues that we have in the black community. And there's some comedy in there. There's a bunch of shit in there to make it funny, to make it entertaining so you're not just watching something dry something and it's gonna keep your attention but uh it, it's it's really good and i want to say i'm only three four episodes in and i'm only i've only stopped because it's, i don't want to run through it real quick i still want to be able to watch it so i think i'm gonna space it out to like once a week or whatever since i already ran through most of it but i hope he i really hope he keeps it up and if not him somebody else picks up where he left off and uh continues to do something like this because it's a, uh, it's what they call edutainment. If you ever heard the phrase, it's, it's educational, but it's entertaining, and I, I think it's really great. I'm a, I'm a real big fan of the shit Killer Mike is doing. I think everything he he's doing is what David Banner wanted to do. Not to compare him, but I don't believe David Banner has gotten as far, and I don't think he's as public as Killer Mike. But they doing, they're doing a lot of the same things. And I would love to see them in the room together doing this. Like, I'm not comparing. I'm just 
I'm being factual about it. I think Killer Mike got further than him, and I would really like to see them do this, do this together. And even if, say, Killer Mike don't continue, maybe David Banner picks up where he left off with the Netflix series because I think it's something really dope. But hey, that's just me talking. Also, real quick, the sports shit, man. Um, I want to get into this NBA trade. This trade mess is craziness, and. I don't know if you guys follow um, Michael Rappaport. He's an actor. He's like a sports commentator. I don't know if you follow this guy on anything, but he's a stone-cold New York, and he was pissed off talking about um, this uh, Porzingis Dallas trade. And uh, it was it was wild. <laughs> like, I just, I'm just fucking around and working, and the news hit my phone that there's a trade being made. I'm thinking of somebody else, and I'm about to get mad, but it turns out Porzingis won out of New York which I felt like would be the, the perfect, you know, place for him being that it's a big, it's like the biggest city in the country. It's the big international city. I felt like he would be more at home there, just like, you know, on his, on his everyday off time. But I guess he didn't like the culture there. He felt like it was a losing culture. So now he's going to be out there with Duncan and uh, Dallas. And I guess the plan is for them to play Euro ball. What happens is now they're already point guard heavy, New York Knicks get another point guard, I guess a combo guard in Dennis Smith Jr., but they also get DeAndre Jordan, who's a rim protector, but they already had a rim protector and uh, Cantor. So I really don't understand the trade other than, like, you know what? Sure, we'll give you this guy who could have been a superstar, but he's now injured. He may be too soft for the league. And sure, we'll let him go. We'll send him to Dallas in the different conference, and we'll take a proven double-double a game, big man, and DeAndre Jordan, and we'll take a budding star in Dennis Smith Jr., and we'll take him and put him in this environment, and we'll see what happens, but shit, they might thrive. Now, they did give up a lot, though, because I'm pretty sure Tim Hardaway Jr. was part of that trade, which makes me believe that Dennis Smith Jr. is going to play off ball, but we'll see. It ain't my team, so all I can do is sit back and watch. Now, something that may affect one of my teams is this, um, Anthony Davis bullshit. And I'm a person that always likes to side with the players. That's my thing. I like to side with the players because a lot of times they can't control their own destiny and they get moved around in chess pieces and shit. But for the same reason that that Porzingis trade, the same elements of that are in what can happen with the Anthony Davis trade. And it pisses me off sometimes as a fan of the team because even though I want the players to do well, as a fan, I'm a fan of the team. The players are going to come and go. But I'm a fan of the team over the player. And I personalize these things when they mean something to me because I overthink it. And I'm looking at it it's like, damn, you force a trade with at the level you're at, it's going to affect a lot of other people's lives. Like you say, yeah, I got to do what's best for me. And I'm not opposed to anybody doing what's best for them. But I, I can cringe at the fact that what the decision that you're going to make is going to affect other people in the locker room. You saying you don't want to be there anymore or that you're not going to extend, you're not going to extend the You're not going to assign the extension? Okay, that's cool. You're giving them a heads up, hey, I'm not fucking with y'all for the long haul. He was cool. We, I, I did my time here. You got, I got some money. I got you guys some money. We, we did our thing. We, we pushed the franchise a little bit further. I think it's going to be time for you to move on. That's one thing. Cool, I get it. You did your time, you ready to roll, got it. But when you say that and then you go on and say, I want to be traded, 
Gee, it's mid-season. We're getting close to the All-Star game and the trade deadline. Mid-season is like, come on, fam. And you want a playoff team? The New Orleans Pelicans ain't chump. They're not a trash team. They're not the Warriors. They're not the Rockets. But they're not a bad team. A few more pieces, and y'all could be in there. Y'all could be that sleeper pick to come out the West if y'all put it all together. You got Holiday. You got Meritage. Yourself. You got the boy Tim Frazier playing decent basketball. You got Etwan Moore. There's people there that can play ball. Y'all just got to get it together and find a way to win. But when you, you say shit like, I want to be traded, like a lot of people, when you're a superstar like that, a lot of people are going to be affected like by just that statement that you made. You're going to affect play for other guys around the league who think they may be involved in your trade. That can fuck with them mentally. That can affect how they play on the court. Now, it shouldn't motivate them. 100% it shouldn't motivate them. But it's like, damn, if you if you know that you're at a trade destination that this person wants to be at with them being a superstar and the GM, the owner, be like, hey, nobody's safe. Anybody could get it. Any one of y'all could go so we can get this guy because they want to win. That's got to fuck with you. Instead of you being focused on the chemistry of the team and make sure y'all y'all together so you can progress as a team. Now you gotta look you looking over your shoulder like damn am I go am I practicing this time? Am I, am I spending this time in the gym? Am I dedicating myself to my team and these and these teammates and this system trying to do what I can do here only to be shipped somewhere else to a team with a bunch of guys I don't know in the city I'm not used to and a system I don't know. All because this motherfucker over here ain't happy. I'll be fucking pissed. If I'm Brandon Ingram, if I'm Kyle Kuzma, if I'm Lonzo Ball, if I'm Josh Hart, if I'm anybody on the Lakers, I'm fucking pissed right now. Real pissed. Because even if I get to stay, even if I get to stay on the team when the trade happens, you I got to deal with the fact that the people I was bonding with and building chemistry with are gone because you decided you wanted to be somewhere else. And how do I not look at you as a reason that my guys that I bonded with are gone? How do I embrace you as a teammate when I know you're the reason they got uprooted? And maybe I'm thinking this way because I'm not a professional basketball player. Like, I understand it's a business and all that shit. But maybe I'm, I'm, I'm personalizing because I'm a, I'm a Laker fan. Transparency. I'm a Laker fan, and I like that young group. And I didn't want LeBron coming there at first. And then I backpedaled, and I saw the development that I think he inspired, along with them being there two years and building more chemistry and being more familiar. I see the I see the change in the team. They're more mature. They got some more dog in them. They're ready to go out there and get it. But the thing about having LeBron on your team is that it tends to make the GMs and the, the owners want to microwave the team. They want to throw the team in the microwave and just manufacture a championship team. They want to be like, oh, we got LeBron. All of a sudden, we got a chance. Like, listen, most teams that win aren't just put together with free agents and trades. Most teams that win, win because they drafted well. And they had the players in the system for a while. And they went out there and got pieces they could fit. 
because they drafted these guys. They got them under contract. They made good deals to get good players, to get good quality players in there that they can afford. And they didn't try to throw a bunch of superstars together. We saw it in Miami. It took them, it took them like a year to get it to work. Now, they got to the finals because they had like the three, the three best players in the East at the time on one team. So they got there, and, you know, D-Wade and LeBron, they know each other. They hung out. They were cool. They already had some personal chemistry. Then you add Chris Bosh into it, he had to figure out to get in how he fit in. And they had a decent bench there because Miami already had some players in place. They had a decent bench, but it still took them a while. Like, once they got rolling, they didn't win the ring out the gate. They went to the finals a bunch, but they didn't do it like – it wasn't like – Instant championship, they had to go there, lose, learn how to play, and go back. Now, when they tried to do this shit in Cleveland, LeBron leaves and go to Cleveland. Now, LeBron being LeBron, one of the greatest players of all time, he's going to elevate any team. So he goes to Cleveland. But if you look at the Cavaliers, they already had a squad that was coming together. You had Kyrie. You had Tristan Thompson. They had already drafted those guys. Then they traded for Kevin Love. So they trade Wiggins, they pick Wiggins, and then um, rather do Anthony Bennett. They trade them to Minnesota to get Kevin Love. So now you got a team that's kind of put together, but some of those guys are already there. And it, it worked out, and they were successful, and they overcame a huge obstacle and uh, beating Golden State their second time around in the finals. But then... Golden State adds KD. They got a good fit, and they went back. And I don't doubt that they would have went back to the finals even without KD because they had a good, solid team that they built through the draft, and they're still building that team through the draft. They add a free agent every now and again, but they in, then they out. Swaggy P was there, gone. JaVale McGee was there, gone. Um, Zaza Petrie was there, gone. David West was there, gone. The core... The core guys, the Iggy's, the Livingston's, the key free agents they brought in, and then all the three biggest stars on the team, other than KD, they drafted them all. And they built that team in the system and in the culture to where they could be successful. And the Lakers have the opportunity to do that. But if you if you snatch all the youngins out to go get Anthony Davis, now you get Anthony Davis and LeBron, who else you got? Who else you got? Because you're going to have to get all your depth away. I'm not expecting Lance Stevenson to stick around in L.A. I would love it, but I don't expect it. I don't expect Michael Beasley to stick around in L.A. I don't expect Rajon Rondo to stick around in L.A. Now, the guys they drafted, Kuzma, Hart, Alonzo, Ingram, if it's me, I'm betting on them for with LeBron in the mix and the other veterans they got. I'm betting on my core to take me to the to take me there. I'm betting on that versus me shipping everybody out for one player, be it Anthony Davis. What if that motherfucker get there and tear ACL, Achilles gone? Look at Boogie. Boogie didn't want to be in uh, fucking Sacramento. Ends up in New Orleans, gets there, Achilles torn. Done. Don't even play for him the next season. Gone. Then don't resign in the offseason. What are you willing to give up? 
That's my issue with the LeBron shit on teams. It just it turns into a microwave situation. He's 34, he's trying to get back. And I'm looking at it like, bro, I want you to stay there, but you had your chance. Don't fuck up the chemistry these young boys got. Y'all want to make the team better? It sounds fucked up. But train LeBron. If you really want to make the team better for the long haul, go with youth. Trade LeBron. Then you get your double-double big man to get you all the buckets down low and stretch the, even stretch the floor, opening up the court. You let Lonzo Ball be the primary ball handler on the court like he should be. You open shit up for Kuzma and B.I. You Gucci. Davis at the five. Kuz at the four. Ingram at the three. Lonzo at the one. Caldwell Pope at the two. Josh Hart and Rondo coming off the bench. You solid. Develop the team. If you go bust a move, bust that move. Trade LeBron. He's 34 years old. Out there with, Siri, with semi-ulterior motors. He got a production company. And while I love LeBron being in L.A., I like the team more. I like L.A. more. And once you get Anthony Davis out, out there, you can get somebody else to come play there because that's a star who another star can play with. And anything bad that happens won't be blamed on them versus him. Like how it goes with LeBron. LeBron can go to a team, and if he don't do well, well, it's everybody else's fault. But if they do well, it's all LeBron. If you're going to trade somebody, trade fucking LeBron James. Go with youth. Keep your core. Keep it moving. Unlock it up. Excuse my rant, but I had to get it off my chest. I tell y'all, it's like therapy for me. That's exactly what it is. Um, Real quick before I get up off this podcast thing, Google for vets, man. If you are a vet or if you know any vets, if they're looking for a job, they played this commercial during the Super Bowl. I think I said something about this a little while ago, but they have Google for vets. And no, it's not for veterinarians, but it's basically for people who have served and are serving in the military. If you're looking for a job, you can type in, you can go to, you can go to Google and basically type in your NEC, your NEC, your MOS, whatever your occupation is, your job code is, type that in, and Google will direct you to jobs that meet the criteria of the uh, specific job code that you put in there. They'll find something related to that because Google's looking out for the homies. So, please, if you know any vets, tell them that, man. And um, That's it, man. Happy Black History Month, man. Carter G. Woodson. Carter G. Woodson, major figure in black history, father of black history, killer Mike, currently making black history, soon to be a great part of our black history, I hope, unless the government do something crazy to him. But like always, man, make your next day your best day, man. Be better tomorrow than you were today. Make 2019 your bitch. Hit me up on uh, noplanthisrider.gmail.com. No play 247 on Twitter. That's capital N, lowercase O, capital P, L A Y. No play 247 on Twitter. Hit me up there. Facebook page. All that shit, man. I wish y'all the best. My bad missing last week. Apologize if you get the opportunity to. If you're going to be grown, be grown, be grown all the time, man. Grow. Remember to grow. Y'all be good out there. Peace.